Hey everybody and welcome back to the Those Movie Dudes podcast, the show where we take some under-the-radar films we've never seen before and talk about them in podcast form. This week we visit a reimagining of a classic story helmed by the insanely handsome George Clooney in Joel Cohen's Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? Then we go take a deep cut into the world of Federico Fellini with the tale of a young woman sold to a traveling entertainer, consequently enduring physical and emotional pain along the way in La Strada. Finally, things take a depressing but surprisingly upbeat turn with a redemption story featuring a rare dramatic performance from Robin Williams in The Fisher King. We may only have one viewer, and that person might be listening on Stitcher. And if we lose him, we're screwed. No, we do. We have one Stitcher user. I've seen so it. So the person listening on Stitcher, Thank I you. would love to meet you in real life and bring you out for like maybe like a gourmet burger at a restaurant of your choice. I'll pay for it. Um, if you're a vegetarian or a vegan or a pescatarian, we can make do. We'll figure it out. But I would love to meet you, and you can explain to me why you use a fucking Android. Well, I mean, you can okay. also use an iPhone and have Stitcher. Well, you're <gasps> you're that's that's. It, I know it's uh, it's kind of drawing the line a little bit, but oh, it John just oh, John, yeah, defend that there, John. What do I? There's nothing Apple. to defend if you if you if you have an iPhone or any Apple device and you decide to use Stitcher over like literally anything else, Spotify, which I don't even use Spotify, then something you got to go see seek mental. To be honest, I've heard of Stitcher of other like. way more than I've heard of Podbean. Same. Well, that's it's Podbean is more of a niche for people who actually appreciate podcasts, Spencer. I don't, I don't know if that's you. Oh, as it doesn't a seem like anyone uses Podbean. Everyone uses they do. Like Anchor or like. I just uh, thought it was a way that you package like coffee beans. Yeah. Um, I could see how that could be misconstrued. Thank you. I'm here all week. We Ooh, just wrapped okay. up about five weeks of Spooktober, where we watched all horror movies so you can go back in the podcast feed and listen to those episodes if you want to hear us talk about a bunch of different horror movies but we're back to the regular grind of just talking about random movies movies that we've never seen before movies that usually have a pretty high critical score and just movies that we have an overall interest in in our instagram stories add those movie dudes which you guys can go and check out the movie that won for me this week was a film that i owned on blu-ray hadn't watched it owned it for a couple of years finally got to it is the Fisher King. The title okay. of that movie just reminds me of that really scary animal that fucking kills puppies in Maine. It'll prounce through the woods, and it'll, like, if you have small animals, like cats, dogs, chickens, or whatever, that thing Fisher will just cat? fucking tear them to shreds. Yeah, just a, yeah a Fisher. A fucking Fisher Cat. It kills children sometimes. There's been stories. It happens. Yeah, my, my movie was a little different. Mine was a black and white circus movie called La Strada. Oh, it was La Strada? Yeah, Federico Fellini. Oh, good, because I watched it. Okay, I was going to say, if you didn't, then... And my movie has a cute little title, very much like a stage play. Um, I was really hoping for Galaxy Quest with Alan Rickman, but mm. instead we got Joel Cohen's Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? Mm-hmm. With George Clooney. Nate, what movie would you like to talk about first this week? It is hmm. an open book. We can go wherever you want to go. I get one week where you ask me, but it's back to six weeks in a row with Nate gets to choose. You can share. Oh, brother, I think we need to... Okay. We can do that one. Why? What What do you think, John? Try... If you can convince me otherwise, then I'll allow it. No, honestly, my opinions are pretty much the same on all three movies, so I'm I'm really not partial to either one. So we can start with my film if you prefer Nate. Sure. Oh, okay, so I, there really I, wasn't I, much of an issue. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, I, I just you... I just take it personally that you asked Nate first instead of me, but it's fine. This week, my film was, in fact, Oh Brother, comma, Where Art Thou? From 2000, directed by Joel and, like Spencer said, uncredited Ethan Cohen has George Clooney, John Turturro, and Tim Blake Nelson. Um, every time I see John Turturro's name, I think John Turtletob, the director of National Treasure. And that just always, I don't know, makes me chuckle a little bit. But <laughs> anyway, John Turturro background information. But this movie came out in 2000 as a 7.7 IMDb. In the Deep South during the 1930s, three escaped convicts search for hidden treasure while a relentless lawman pursues them. Pretty creepy looking lawman. Looks like an evil villain. But for me, I really knew nothing about this movie going in other than George Clooney was in it. I The title sounded familiar to me. And I know Nate has a certain, you know, hate for George Clooney. So I figured, why not choose it? I did I'll, not think I'll, it would I'll win. I'll explain more about it. Like, it's it's actually really stupid and just kind of random. But I'm I sure just, it is. It's stuck, but I'm sure going. it's dumb. Keep going. Okay. Keep talking. Uh, but yeah, this for me, this movie, just it was very, very Coen Brothers-esque, where it's kind of this quirky, weird story about something that kind of took place back in kind of a period piece but it definitely has its own thing where it, it kind of has a, a fun soundtrack uh nate i would like to hear your uh your thoughts as on... to what john was hinting at earlier when i was in little league i was a pitcher and so i <laughs> and <laughs> okay i had never pitched in a legitimate little league game before and so I just imagined, I just picked an actor, just someone who I thought was so into themselves, someone who was like the handsome Hollywood guy, but just like, I hated him. I like hated him. And I thought, who else but George Clooney? And I was like, just imagine his face in the catcher's mitt and just blaze strikes. And that's what I did. That was my drive to pitch. So yeah, Are you fucking that, serious? I'm 100 million percent <laughs> serious. Like that is a legitimate thing uh, that I would. It was like I, part joke, part ha ha ha. No, seriously, fuck well, him. No, um, it's it's honestly <laughs> serious. Fuck him because anytime I'd be like, yeah, the, the George Clooney's in it. You'd always to this day go. <sighs> Or just like finding I mean, like, to be fair. I don't think I've watched a single George he, Clooney movie with you. He is that character in this movie. Like you are not wrong. He plays George Clooney. I'm handsome. I'm great. I'm running the fucking show. And he does like, it in this movie, uh, so you're not like wrong. Like when Spencer asked me, he's like, Hey, you should watch Gravity. I was like, Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> you should watch Gravity. I mean. But thank but thankfully, uh, spoiler alert for Gravity. Thankfully he wasn't in it that long. So but anyway, oh brother, where art thou? <laughs> um the Cohen brothers have a like a certain style, almost like a new age noir type fantasy that they tell. Um and this one was really gritty. I hadn't ever seen it before and i was been told by a lot of people that i need to watch this movie like our close friend dylan um who john and spencer now recommended this movie all the time dylan yeah and i was pissed because i'm like this movie has been on netflix forever and the one time that it's not i rented it on amazon it actually wasn't too bad i thought it was really interesting especially when i looked into it and it was kind of a modern tale of our modern telling of the Odyssey, the Homer epic poem, and stuff like that's always interesting to me. And I was like, once I started to piece that together and some of this, like the way the characters acted and some of the biblical stuff, it was, I didn't, it was a fun little movie. I guess for me, the biblical stuff kind of goes over my head, but I definitely get like the stage play vibes and stuff where mm -hmm. it seems like it doesn't seem like a normal narrative because 
they will kind of randomly break into song, but it wasn't like, I mean, there were scenes where they recorded music, but then like that scene where they just came upon those women who were randomly singing in the forest. Mm-hmm. That was funny. And stuff like that. I mean, yeah, I, I mean, it, it represented it like the mermaids in the original, the Odyssey novel, I believe. Okay. When the, uh, yeah. <clears throat> when the, uh, members of the ship get like seduced by the mermaids because like the saw the sirens saw the sirens because we had to read i don't know i guess they didn't do it for your class because john you were like a grade above me in high school but uh we had to read the odyssey for summer reading going into freshman year so we read the odyssey by homer and then when we got to class within the first couple of weeks we watched this movie whenever we watch movies especially for me uh whenever we watch movies in high school it never worked because I, I couldn't pay attention because, like, friends were around. Uh, like, we were, we were being forced time. to watch it as well. Uh, middle of the day. I mean, I just couldn't really pay attention. So any movie that I saw in high school, I think, is 100% deserved, like, a rewatch. And I think we've done it so far in the podcast with a couple of them. Um, so this was this was one of them that I had seen before. I saw my grade, two out of five. Rewatched it <laughs> pretty much with, like, a fresh eye and perspective. And, yeah, this movie is just a grand old time. It's it's also just so funny. I cracked up so many times, especially with Tim Blake Nelson's character. Like the thing with the toad, I was literally oh in stitches. Like it was the funniest so thing ever. <laughs> like it was, it was guy, so dude. funny. I loved it. Uh, and Roger Deakins, the cinematographer, because I amazing. thought this movie looked amazing. The framing, the composition, some of the scenes, uh, it just was beautiful. And the colors were very like, they popped. Uh, yeah. George Clooney, he was just, Basically, just an extended version of George Clooney, just like a fast-talking, like witty. Like, I need to get my certain hair gel, and if it's not the specific brand, then fuck you. But he, I think he, he was toned down a little bit. He was very, very good in this movie. Fantastic! It was uh, funny. Just the whole thing with the hair gel, and whenever he goes up to the counter and he's like, "You don't have this type of hair gel." Well, there's ten hair nets. It's like, yeah. And whenever he woke up, he'd always go, my hair. <laughs> Every single time. Anytime he'd wake up. It's it's very... And that's just the Coen brothers with their writing. I mean, it was nominated for Best Adapted Screenplay. They're just very witty. And they know how to uh, tell a really engaging and fun story. But, however, I think that's one of my complaints with this movie. Because as much as it was kind of fun seeing this like 1930s rendition of The Odyssey, it was very sporadic and random like it was kind of just like seen here seen there and the through line narrative i felt like kind of got lost where it was setting up to be this like really fun adventure and then it did just become kind of just like all right kind of just jumbled scenes kind of from the book uh just yeah. in a different like like uh, setting and it, it was fun to more of like a like a character drama yeah instead of an um, adventure that you kind of thought and I think that was, that'd be like my complaint with this movie, but I mean, I think this movie is a, a ton of fun. I think for me, it's the Odyssey stuff goes over my head. I did not realize that that's what this movie was. I really did. You didn't. have to read so the book I, though. Did, in high no, school? Uh, okay. I, going into freshman year, we had to read Grapes of Wrath, and uh, I watched the movie. Okay, so, we read that in yeah. American Studies, dude. For Grapes of Wrath for us. That's a good. I need I to rewatch think, the movie. Honestly, I don't remember, dude. Your memory is better school. than mine, honestly, but. Uh, Thank you. Yeah, no, I think I think for this one, I was pleasantly surprised. I was expecting something different, but what I got, like you guys said, I think the Coen brothers, they kind of go off on these random tangents with their writing where they'll meet kind of random characters like uh, uh, John Goodman's character who crushes the toad and he was kind of an asshole. But everything that happened with him was really Big funny, Dan. especially when they got to the Klan rally and stuff. 
Yeah. Um, when he see, he, how did he know it was them? First of all, I was like, what the fuck? He just, he could sense it, I guess, or something. But, uh, yeah, everything to yeah. do with those characters. Well, the first it was... scene, when you see Big Dan, like at like the diner or the restaurant, he like smells them because like he like, can like sense <laughs> yeah, like does. they have money or something. He's like, he's oh like, yeah, that's right. He just knew. He just for shows some up. He's like, but I agree with what Spencer said that it did have just kind of a bunch of random events inserted throughout. Um, but I think that's also it's also kind of part of like the epic poem. Like he's exactly. got the straight narrative. He just he's trying to get home, and all these things randomly happen. So it can kind of work. But with these, it was so many random events. Like with the flood. Have, so what is is that in the poem? Is there it, something it, it about? It does a, have a, a whole representation. I don't remember exactly. But um, it does mean something. I I can't place me, it though. for me because I have no where I can like recollection of the Odyssey. I know of it, but a lot of those events seem random, taking away from the overall narrative. But I was expecting a treasure hunt movie, but instead Clooney kind of is trying to go after his wife. Right, he's trying to get his kids back and stuff. And I was into that. wasn't completely upset, but I I think overall the movie was just was just a good time. And I think you guys are trying to look this up right now, but let me know. Deep, I did look up cut. some of the comparisons. Um, between okay. this movie and the Odyssey. So, like, Big Dan is supposed to be a representation of a Cyclops. And in the story, yeah, okay. the Cyclops kills He's got one um, eye, right? Odysseus's ma- men. Yeah. Mm, and okay. so that's the one eye thing. Um, yeah. And then what happens to them and whatnot. But it even talks about people receiving help from, like, blind prophets on the railroad. Yeah, yeah, at the beginning. Wow, um, that's on the nose, dude. Yeah, it really is. Yeah. If you're familiar with the material, I think this movie would be a lot of fun. It, it's a whole different experience watching it, especially if you're really familiar with it. I yeah, vaguely kind it, of remembered, but yeah, a lot of it did go over my head. Did you know I going in or after watching, oh, like course. getting into the film? Okay. Well, of course. I mean, yeah. back I in high school, we watched it had, yeah. because of yeah. that summer reading, but I mean, that was you know, 10 years ago. But Fair enough. as far as Coen Brothers movies go, I think it's really good. It took a little bit for me to get invested in the characters because they were so different. Like they were all completely different entities. But then seeing them kind of weave their way in and out, you grew to appreciate their friendship a little bit more. I originally gave it a three and a half out of five, but I actually think I liked it more than I, I guess, did at the beginning. So I'm going to give it a four out of five. Definitely on a rewatch, I think I'll enjoy it a little bit more. Just being able to sit back and just watch all this random stuff happen. And it's always nice to see Holly Hunter. I would echo all of your points, Nate. I think this movie is a lot of fun. It's funny. It's It's got a good story. It's got good performances. It's shot really well by Roger Deakins. And it's just the Coen brothers doing their thing. My issue with the movie, though, is just that kind of how sporadic it was. I think by reading the logline in the Deep South during the 1930s, three escaped convicts search for a hidden treasure while a relentless lawman pursues them. By the Coen brothers, Roger Deakins, and that cast, if that was the movie and there was no Odyssey connection, I think that movie would be so strong. And it'd be like, this could be like, you know, five out of five material if it was really good. The Odyssey thing, it just, I felt like it was a little bit of a distraction, but if you're a fan of the Odyssey and that material, I think this movie is a whole different experience and you could love it as as that, or, you know, it's also fun if you don't know it. So three and a half out of five for me, this is a really good movie um, and it could go up, especially if I'm more familiar with the Odyssey. You guys I, did get the whole, uh, who the sheriff was, right? Or who the, the, the lawman was? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. How okay. he, the that to, that Tommy, the guy that they save, he's yeah. like, no, the the devil, he he's a white guy just like you 
um, but he has an it's ugly like hound or something. and yeah, empty eyes and like an ugly hound with him and his deep voice. And that, that was the sheriff here yeah, with the sunglasses. The scene with the dog sick. at the yeah. end floating through the water. I actually really laughed at that. With the I was hound. sad. <laughs> was I'm doing the, I, dog the cow scene, bad. dude. I was like, oh, <laughs> that was so. Yeah, that was that? vicious. Dude, you know what that reminded me of? The scene in Jurassic World when the dinosaur is just trapped by the lava. That actually, oh. and that's like one of the scenes where. I was just so upset. I'm like, I know this is fake. It's a fucking big box office Jurassic Park movie, but that's so sad. Okay. Um, but yeah, my final <laughs> thoughts on Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? Reading the logline, that's kind of why I wanted to watch it. So I had no inclination of the fact that this was kind of a play, a modern-ish play on the Odyssey in the 1930s. So I was thrown off. It was. It seemed like the plot was going through all these tangents and whatnot, even without knowing that that's kind of what it was alluding to. I still liked it. I had fun with it. And I think if I did have some understanding of the Odyssey, for sure, yeah, I think I would have liked it more. But if the film had just done its own thing, like you said, that would have been great without any of these kind of comparisons to the Odyssey. But the Coen brothers like to be quirky and weird. But I'm going to give it a 3 out of 5. I think it's I think it's fresh, but uh, I wish it kind of went in a slightly different direction in the overall narrative. But it was a good time. So, yeah. John, what movie would you like to talk about next? Well, Spencer, the Federico Fellini film, La Strata. Ooh. What, what movie am I talking about again? La Strata. Uh, what Dreams May Come. What Dreams May Come, starring Robin... Oh, Robin La Wright? Strata. Yes. 1954, directed by famous Italian director Federico Fellini, who has also done a movie called Roma, the Fellini Satyricon, Armacord bunch of classics and this one is no exception it is about a woman named gelsomina a naive young woman who is purchased from her impoverished mother by the strongman zampano to be his wife and partner this classic to black and white least. italian cinema i know this is like three things that just john does not like and so i'm actually i'm, I'm gonna i want to hear what he has to say so if any negativity comes out i can just shut it down <laughs> Great. Um, Get it out well, of the Nate, way first. I think like a you're gonna be. Pretty Thank happy you, John. Okay, Spencer. Um... Oh, you really don't <laughs> want to hear my thoughts? Okay, nah, I'm just kidding. Go for it. No, honestly, uh, I go back to Armacord, and I didn't like mm. Armacord. I don't remember what I gave it, but I'm pretty sure it was scathing, and I apologize for that because. And that one was in color. It was in color. <laughs> That's true. But when it came to this yeah. movie, I was like, I really. Like, every movie this week, I want to make sure, like, I sit down, I fully understand it. Because there's been a lot of films in the past, you know, several months or so that I feel like I just didn't grasp. But apparently I didn't know about The Odyssey, so I didn't fully totally grasp the Brother Where Art Thou. But uh, I know exactly what on this movie. I grasped it. It was great. But that's a testament to the filmmaking because this movie I can actually follow. Like, this, the narrative of this movie made sense. It didn't seem confusing to me as a black and white 1954 movie. I could follow these characters, and I was into them. I I liked the uh, the kind of innocent girl that reminded me of Searching for Fellini, or what is it called? In Search of Fellini. In Search of Fellini. She literally must have been the inspiration for the character in that movie because it was like the same person, and reminded me of Amelie. And I was I was all kind of previous into this. podcasts. Go to our pod- podcast feed and go listen to those yeah. episodes because you just named a bunch of movies. Plug after plug after yeah. plug. <laughs> go for it. Yeah. No, but honestly, dude, I was pleasantly surprised because I was actually, (laughs) Nate, sometimes with your movies, I watch them midday and it's after like I got up kind of early to work and I'm like, I'm tired, but I don't want to sit at my desk and watch it. So I sit in my bed with my cat and a lot of your movies, I'll just fall asleep. This one, 
I was nodding off a little bit, but I forced myself to stay awake because I liked this movie. Okay. I did. Okay. I, I, I can't really like explain I appreciate what you like. the joke. <laughs> I think it's a good joke that you have going. It's not a joke. That's the truth. What? That's literally what happens with me. But what, what was your question, Spencer? What do you really think about this movie? Because I don't believe what you just said. Are you serious right now? Yes. No, I actually really liked it. Wow. You just you kind yeah. of explained in a long way how you watched the movie. You didn't say what you yeah. liked about it. Okay. I, I like well, the character. Well, I just I, wanted to say that like I fall asleep with the, all the, the girl reminded me of this movie and this movie. I wanted movie, to give you a big wrap around. Sleep. Hey, to that's how I normally feel about your films. Yeah, oh, I don't. But so, this thanks, time I, I and I and I'm not pulling your leg like I promised you like I don't think it's the best movie ever. Like, I, and I'm sure you guys actually probably really liked it, but I thought her character was like super endearing, super innocent, and like you see her like trying to develop like an interest in something, and this other guy is just always kind of like knocking her down and stuff. But then again, you also kind of have this love story in there as well. This this unconventional love story where it's unexpected and it ends up being sad and bittersweet. But I think I've really genuinely appreciated this movie, and you guys are gonna be surprised with my opinion. So. Good. I want to hear what you guys think. So wow. I'm, I'm glad now that now that you're starting to understand a little bit more about world cinema. Wikipedia helps. We can, we can stop. We can start talking about that stuff more. I would feel more comfortable, maybe possibly recommending some more foreign films for you oh, to kind of branch you out slowly. Don't you dare Fellini's hold back. A good, well, I mean, Fellini, Nate, to, Fellini's to fair, a great place to start. You have taken him and thrown him right into like the uh, the thorn bushes before in previous picks. Yeah, um, but mm. I have <laughs> still recovering. I, I, still recovering. I have like Anyways, some silent I think movies, maybe all some, yeah, like doing that like. Rip uh, the bandit off quickly. Maybe that's growing the, like, you know, helping the appreciation a little bit. Kind of like fine wine. Ease me you into grow it. to like it. Yeah, exactly. Because great oh, movies yeah. make your life better. And that's like, the I thing, remember the cause... first time I was drinking Bud Light and I couldn't hold down a single beer, but now I can drink like Elysium, like twelve percent fucking oh, yeah, IPAs. Yeah. Those are but, like you know triple what? IPAs, dude. Those, Those are, are rough, but I can I can get it down. Oh, I got this one down. Malaysian space <laughs> dust. Space oh, dust. Yeah, remember yeah, that? That's, yeah, that's yeah, what I'm good. <laughs> it's a good beer, but yeah, it's heavy. Like, don't eat dinner if you're gonna have that. But um, yeah, that is a fucking meal and a half. Lestrada for wow, me, really? <laughs> because I guess I didn't realize this is my second Federico Fellini film. The only one that I had seen is Armor Corps. Am I wrong? Did we? We haven't seen because I haven't seen Eight and a Half. That's like his most popular movie that everyone's That's seen. His most I don't think there's like, there's been any more at least on the podcast, famous. Spencer. At least on the podcast. I know we did Arm Record on the podcast. I don't know if I've seen any other one of his movies. Um, Probably so, not. Uh, not that I can think of. There is a lot. Well, he's And I liked, I liked Arm Record, but it was just kind of like random. It was just kind of like slices of life in Italy, which was kind of fun, but I don't know. But with this one, I think that La Strada is a better story, and I like the it's filmmaking. It's more narrative-based. And I, yeah, I, I liked it a lot more. But with Federico Fellini so far... I don't love his work, but I don't not like it. It's just very like I, I was think surprised. I'm gonna grow to it's like different. it as I see more of his movies. I think he's like an acquired taste, and it's like you gotta like grow to appreciate his type of filmmaking because it's it is a little different because it's mainly about the characters, and then the story is kind of just surrounding the characters. Because I loved uh, the main girl. Um, what's her name? Jill Samina. Okay, Zapano is the guy. Yeah. Because I I just like what John said, like she's very endearing, and I I really did like her character. I mean, she just really wanted 
to be loved and wanted to have a relationship but was constantly just abused by this awful awful dude like he was such an asshole but the main message of this movie is something it's so depressing and a slight spoiler but not really but the the main thing that i really liked about this movie and that i took away from it is like you don't know what you have until it's gone yeah and that's yeah, what i was like absolutely. damn like that really resonated and then that's what i mean it's like i grow to really appreciate it but as i'm watching it i don't necessarily like love it but I'm into it, like I'm interested, um, and then it's afterwards where I'm like, damn, like that, but it's it's lingering, it's lingering on with me a little bit, and uh, that's just a testament to the filmmaking. I think that hmm. after maybe you watch this a second time, knowing the ending, maybe you can appreciate yeah. the the journey a little bit more because it seems like there's they go from from town to town to oh, they go from town to town to town, and he's just constantly being not abusive, but just like verbally abusive to her, where he doesn't kind of let her be herself. She's sort of discovering her interests and he's always kind of just knocking her down a peg the ending yeah and i like i said i, I think it's bittersweet but you can tell that he just had this front up like i he definitely did have genuine feelings for her like when he, he hears that woman humming the song i think that was great because you could you could just tell like he got what he deserved i guess he definitely did but you hate to see what happened to her it's just oh, it's yeah, just really very sad and is that because i don't remember on record that what that much but or maybe nate have you seen like a lot of his other movies does he do this with I've his seen characters a couple a lot? others i think he's he... really good at showing emotion no Armacord's some of his work's upbeat. really abstract like, um Armacord was yeah upbeat. Armacord was Armacord upbeat was funny at times like the whole family at that, that table just like yelling at yeah. each other and them chasing them. Sure, like, this yeah, was yeah. honestly a riot but uh this one definitely eight was and a half funny. is like a comedy drama okay. that is more abstract it's more fantastical yeah. kind of like Armacord. um but i think la strada is, has been his most grounded that I've seen so far. Yeah, I didn't like be. it as much as Armacord. Armacord just had something to it that I really enjoyed. But this one was still really good too. I loved Jelsomina. She reminded me of like a Charlie Chaplin type character. She didn't speak a whole lot. She was very... She used a lot of facial expressions and the way she whimpered and whined. She just... You could tell that she was just embracing this character and I just, I loved her character. She just kept me going, all these iconic moments of her just riding in the back of the wagon, the stuff of her leaving, and a lot of people be like, oh, I'm leaving. The guy makes him stay, but no, she's like, I'm leaving. I'm glad that she's... They, they didn't just have her play this damage character the whole time, like she did like have sort of empowerment even in the 50, even in the 1950s, a movie like this, she, she did rise up and kind of do her own thing, you know? Yeah. Um, and what's interesting but, yeah. is Walt Disney actually wanted to create an animated feature based on her character. Really? Yeah. Like I think with a traveling like a circus player with guy. Mickey Mouse or something. I mean, you know, back <laughs> yeah. when they're making movies in the fifties and sixties, it probably would have been kind of dark because some of the old Disney movies have that edge. That's like, oof, it's mm -hmm. a little darker times. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, her character. I mean, you just fall in love with her. She's like, I mean, you want the best for her, and it's it is very depressing watching this movie because you don't see that <laughs> she yeah she doesn't get that at all, and it's still too bad. Yeah, sorry. Another like thing that they talk about is not only you don't know what you have till it's gone, but they push that everyone has a purpose, and it was cool seeing how you 
each character figured out their purpose. Like, you see her, at first she's getting hit by this guy and verbally abused, but then she kind of comes to and she's immediately chipper and happy and willing to help him and you kind of see him go, oh, okay. Like, you see that friendship kind of build and it's like it almost reaches its high point and then the end kind of happens and you're like you're like what you you wanted to see did you guys wanted to see something better than a sad ending but yeah you guys feel like you got a little bit robbed because i for me just because he gives her the trumpet right and then that's pretty much the that's the last time you see her and i just i wanted to see her succeed and like you get the verbal representation of like oh yeah she did this but like mm-hmm. it would have been nice to maybe see it a little bit even if it's like a flashback yeah. while the woman was talking about it or but something. that's what i think that's what makes fellini so interesting is that he does rob you of that he, it, it's so much more impactful not seeing it because then you feel like his character you feel what he's feeling is in like i it would have been a it would have like been a shock great, yeah. like you are actually shocked like he is sure. yeah yeah, yeah. Like, if we saw the rest of her story, if we saw that, and then we saw his character find out, it wouldn't be as impactful as both us and the character finding out at the same time, kind of thing. If it was a Netflix original movie, for sure, they're absolutely going to show you the whole storyline. It's La La Land. They're showing you a musical fantasy of it. 13 minutes, bitch. Um, Anyways. (laughs) (laughs) I respect that they did that, though. I mean, for real. Oh, exactly. Uh, Although, imagine the spectacular now, but with the with the happy ending. For me, again, it was a surprise. I think I I just I was into the story. The characters were so different, but she was so endearing, and you could tell that he just had this wall up that he wasn't able to break until it was too late. So I I just think the story was put together really well, and uh, he was able to convey a lot of emotion, and it was it was just a good movie. And and for me, I appreciate movies that kind of go there and give you that sad ending. Although it would have been nice to get a little bit more with her, but I, I see why he did it, and and I can appreciate that. So um, I'm going to give it a three and a half out of five. It was a Ooh. very, very solid movie, 1954, black and white Italian, dozing off wow. with my cat. It was a good movie. Okay. Did Molly like it? She did. She stayed there the whole runtime. Four and uh, a half out of five? Five out of five. She gave it a five yes. out of five, yeah. Five, and fi- five out of five meows. Well, it seems yes. Like she liked it. That's good. Yeah. Good. I'm for La Strada for me. I initially, like when it first ended, I gave it a three out of five. I liked it. It's the same grade as Armor Cord, but especially, you know, after it's been a little bit and not talk, now talking about it a little bit, I'm going to go three and a half out of five as well. But I'm, I'm really curious to check out more Federico Fellini's films and see how they uh, compare and contrast with each other because they're really interesting and it's it's so different than Armor Cord. It's it seems very different other than it's in Italy, but it's got my and it's got my interest. Three and a half out of five. I really like this one. Fellini Respect. is up there uh, in in world cinema with Ingmar Bergman, Akira Kurosawa, Andrei Tarkovsky, a bunch of these just super famous directors that have these worldwide phenomena type films um and they're all like classics and this is just another one of those ones i've seen clips of it and i've heard of it i've seen people recommend it in criterion closet videos just everyone's like oh la strada instantly in the bag it's like wow i definitely need to see this movie now and it's it the story of it 
it's less about like what their occupation is and it's more about their friendship and i like the little circus backstory because it adds a lightness to it and kind of a a childlike fantastical feel because you're part of a circus but it's grounded in reality with like the brutal truths about how women were treated back in the day what people had to do for work um the terrible conditions that they had to deal with sometimes and i respect this movie a lot it was a little long though i feel like from the beginning yeah it like what it started off it really quick or one hour yeah (laughs) like it was not three hours (laughs) um but like (laughs) you see her sold or whatever like five minutes into the movie and then the next hour of it is just kind of going from place to place kind of like a brother art though yeah just yeah. not about the odyssey True. Thank God. and but this one was more narrative based but yeah the length of it it just felt like it could have been shorter and gotten the same point across yeah um the grade might sound lower than how i'm expressing it but i still really really enjoyed this one uh so four out of five not as much as armacord but definitely one that i could rewatch. and i think this movie sold me on getting the uh, federico federico fellini box set from criterion i think that sealed the deal right there final movie that we're gonna be talking about in this episode is 1991 the fisher king directed by i forgot about gilliam who is uh very wacky filmmaker if you haven't seen his previous movies like 12 monkeys brazil monty python and the holy grail what's the other one with johnny depp that i refuse to watch fear and loathing las vegas oh no that movie's great <laughs> i know i do want oh, to see that it at movie's some point fantastic. You watch, i mean i haven't seen i do it, want to see it at some point i just remember watching a clip it's... of it in uh, design of cinema and it just irritated me just how they were shooting it because it's all like dutch and dutch like, angle low. yeah wasn't the editing just how just he weird and the stuff movies, too though it's very aggressive it's a movie about doing drugs yeah of course it's, yeah. it's good and so like he, they oh, shot it as awesome. if like you're on drugs the fisher kane a very different movie from fear and building las vegas i'm sure but it follows a former dj who is suicidally despondent because of a terrible mistake he made he finds redemption in helping a deranged homeless man who was unwittingly victim of that mistake. Robin Williams, Jeff Bridges have owned this one on Blu-ray, but I had just didn't pull the trigger really? to get to watch you it. Buy this? I think I did uh, I don't know, like five or six in college years ago. Sometime. Yeah. Dude, because I haven't and... I'd never heard of this until this week. Like, I'd always I'd wanted never... to see it because uh, when Robin Williams passed away, I think in twenty sixteen or or so maybe might have been earlier than that dude Uh, something like that Um, you watched all his movies no i looked up all of his movies because i'm like i gotta watch all of his movies because he's i think my favorite actor of all time and this was one of them because i think he was nominated for an oscar he was nominated for best actor in a leading role i think it was his first nomination and yeah so glad to finally have checked it out glad it won the poll nate i know you had a Miserable time trying to watch this movie because of some app issues with Showtime. But uh, pushing that, past that, the movie itself, The Fisher King, how do you feel? This movie is awesome. And Terry Gilliam is one of those directors where his style is very... It feels futuristic and the and epic in scale, and I compare this movie a lot to Brazil, especially with some of the opening shots in the radio station, where you see Jeff Daniels' character, Bridges. Um, Jeff Bridges. or Bridges. Sorry, yeah, you see like the camera go up, and the room is like really tall, like tall ceilings and stuff like that. It just felt very like utopian, futuristic. 
I don't know why. If you watch Brazil, you'd understand. The performances from these guys, I did not expect to be this amazing. It, they were just awesome. Robin Williams, I've never seen him in something like this before, and it just worked. Yeah. His character was so, so genuine. And Bridges was just... It was weird not seeing him as the dude. Like, I know that's kind of weird, but, like, no facial hair at all. I'm yeah, like... Just like a ponytail. I was very young in this movie. It was 30 yeah. years I ago. Think, but, I know. think him and Val Kilmer, if you were to put them side by side, I think they kind of look similar to me anyway. In Back in the 90s. Um, yeah. I, I could see that. Just Definitely. because he, he didn't have, like, the beard and whatever. So yeah. I was like, uh, who is this actor? And he was just kind of like this asshole character and i was just like it's it's cool seeing him like this and then when you see robin williams as this homeless anti-hero yeah, or this homeless like, dude <laughs> vigilante yeah but it was cool because it like kind of like with O brother where art thou it had a like a story behind it like a mythical type story right but it was done in a modern way yeah. it was just cool seeing that like new york in that time and just seeing how this was executed and the different references and whatnot especially with the holy grail like oh, how yeah. they had to get it I okay. think I can appreciate this movie more than Oh Brother Where Art Thou with the Odyssey and whatnot with the bases around the Holy Grail. But I think just what they did with Robin Williams' character was just truly iconic. Like it was, it was insanely well done. I think watching this movie the first hour or so, like I was generally confused as to like what was going on, like why he was acting this way. Like I felt like I could smell him through the screen because they made him mm -hmm. look so gross. Like. Oh, so disgusting yeah um it was very, especially the scene where they're like he's like dancing naked in the park and like just <laughs> acting like a total psychopath when you really boil it down and like you see why he's acting this way and they, they unravel kind of his past and how um jack is connected to it it was just very interesting and the story ended up being really layered and i think it was it was just really really well done and you see why he's in this sort of catonic state where he's just he's seeing his demons and he's he's stuck on his past and i just also love how the, you had the alternate storyline where jack is trying to redeem himself for something he feels responsible for and it was just a very well put together complex story that uh I, it took me a while to process to actually figure out everything that was going on but it was it was really well done so that makes sense because i mean I if you take that. this story and take away like the medieval element and have a different director come in and just have the story of like sense. this like yeah the guy these two guys down their luck like mutually bonding over this tragedy and trying to get better mm -hmm. it would be like it'd, it'd be probably pretty hokey and kind of cliche but with the whole medieval element to it and like having robin williams like be on this like quest and then having that all tie into like the overall uh, emotional element to this movie it was just it worked so brilliantly and i think terry gilliam is such a fantastic director and the more movies i see from him i think the higher he gets in probably one of my favorite filmmakers which is kind of crazy it's a bold statement but i don't know if you guys mm. if you guys have seen uh 12 monkeys have you seen that one yet or i've Time wanted Bandits? to see it it's on my um, list but monty python and the holy grail that's a classic one of the, my favorite comedies of all time it's so funny oh anytime God, i watch I it cried. i laugh every single time um so Amazing. with that that's already like why he's so high up there but the more movies i see from him and i haven't seen brazil yet so i really want to see that one robert de niro's yeah. greatest role exactly i just love his <laughs> style it's it's so crazy and over the top and, and unconventional and 
if so many people would say you're doing it wrong but he's like fuck you i'm doing it right and i'm doing it my way and it's it works so well and yeah what jeff bridges and robin williams were able to bring to this movie with their performances it just added that extra element and they both got nominated i believe um for acting let's uh, i have a question oh jeff bridges didn't Damn. sorry did any what? of you guys have uh, the flashbacks to the scene in Elf with the Central Park Rangers? Oh, man, every year I deal with the Central Park Rangers, and they're just on the <laughs> fucking thing, and there's, like, fog surrounding them and stuff, and they're just, like, so scary looking. I don't know. I just thought I, that was, that that was in the back my of my head. <laughs> but um... Really? You don't remember that scene in Elf? Well, not when I was watching this movie, no. Um, all right. All right. Fair enough. I watch Elf I now that you say it, so. like, sure, but <laughs> come on, whatever. <laughs> another element to this movie that i did really like was jeff bridges girlfriend who was the video store she was owner awesome. she was amazing and she actually yeah. won the oscar for best supporting actress uh which is kind of surprised because oh, wow. out of all the performances really? I think robin williams deserved the oscar he was phenomenal but yeah she won the oscar for best supporting actress for this movie she and was she great. was great she had a great awesome. character and she added that uh element that you needed with jeff bridges character to kind of like she truly loved him like to, to like, keep him grounded like yeah it kept him grounded and he was just like i gotta like, i love that scene with them breaking up it was all one take i think it was like mm-hmm. seven minutes no cuts and it was them breaking up i didn't notice it was one take but exactly that, that was an insanely you, good, so good scene it. and that's just with terry gilliam with, with his directing he's amazing and the scene with robin williams once it's kind of revealed what's going on with him and like his past life and he's it was right after his like first date with that really weird quirky girl that matches Lydia. His characteristics that's when yeah. he sees the that demon the, the demon yeah thing. and he's yeah. running and you're having flashbacks that scene i don't know about, about you guys but that, i was so emotionally captivated by that scene like i was borderline like in tears I was like this guy like it's, he's been through so fucking much and like yeah. this one bit of happiness like for both of them like and then he just goes like into that like it was so sad and catatonic horrifying yeah. at the same time just it because it literally broke my I was like oh my god yeah yeah cuz he's he's been in this Love awful state for years probably right like i mean since whenever mm-hmm. this tragedy happened he's finally gets these feelings with this girl and yeah yeah they just he just gets hit boom right there he's like no you're not allowed to experience reality you're you're fucked in the head for life and so I don't know if, was... if, that, if that was just my personal connection to how much I loved Robin Williams growing up and just I love his performances. But just I think what he was able to bring to this movie just made me so much more invested into his character than if anyone else was playing him. If anyone can convince you that they're crazy, it's Robin Williams because <laughs> yeah. he's like... But endearing. When wow. he, he'll, be t- he'll be talking to Jeff Bridges, talking to him, talking to him, and then he'll scream off to the side at the little fat people <laughs> exactly. and be like... But he'll do it, but then cut right back to Jeff Bridges. And it's like, he looks at him like, did you just, what did you just do? And he's like, no, listen, we got to do this quest. It's like, well, wait a second. Yeah. Who did you just talk to? And, and hearing like, stories. Just slow down there, pal. And hearing the, stories the scenes... from people that have worked with Robert Williams is just like, he, everything's just, a lot of just improv. He'll just like do, he'll just do it his way. Like, I've been, like with the little fat people, I, I wonder how much of that was scripted because it was brilliant. Mm. Probably none. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. They were like, just think of something on the spot and keep it. Yeah. And make it your character. And he's like, oh, okay. <laughs> that, that, do you guys think you get, the scene in Central Park, the initial scene, I mean, it went for me, Elf. like, obviously a lot of it's improv. He just did his own. He was he went crazy. He went insane. I was uncomfortable. I felt like it went on too long. But that's like. 
the fact that he's able to pull that off and be comfortable on camera and do everything he did in that scene. Oh, with him naked in the park. You have to appreciate it. Yeah, I mean, it was just, oh. it was crazy. Well, he's a professional. He's well, just like, because, eh, the only thing whatever. is, it's like, well, Jeff Bridges is the audience in that situation. He's like, what are you doing? Stop. <laughs> like exactly, and I, I felt exactly like he did. But I felt what his discomfort. Robin Williams was trying to convey with that whole message was, I mean, there's more to it. Um. But yeah, I mean, it was definitely a fearless thing that Robin Williams did. Good for him. <laughs> um, but it yeah. also, at the end, you had that little like, you know, tie back to that right to that sure. scene, and that way it kind of added like very a little, little kind of chuckle at the end. But, it was cute. No, the fish. It was it was very very enjoyable. And once I was able to get past the whole Showtime thing and not being able to like pause if I needed to, kind of thing, without getting kicked out of the app, this movie was really fun, and I just kind of thought. Terry Gilliam has a very different style. Like I need to rewatch Brazil just for that purpose because his style is so it's so grand and unique and very Dutch also in some ways. It was just bizarre and Robin Williams every time he would just go on a tangent and his character was so pure. Like he would be like Oh, I've I've been watching you for months now, but but not in the way you think. Like he was genuinely infatuated mm. with her. Yeah, um, yeah. I thought that and it was, was cool. So creepy. Like I thought she was gonna get creeped mm-hmm. out, but as he was saying it, I'm like, oh, this comes across so sweet. Like holy shit. <laughs> he made that work yeah, and so even, well. Yeah. He did. And even though Robin Williams, he's like the homeless bum. Lydia is still the weirdest character in the <laughs> she entire very movie. Much is, like, yeah. but I, I love that. I love early nineties the, the romance between them. Like, I really did. I think that they were they were made for each other. At least in the state mm-hmm. that he was in. Maybe not before that when he was like a normal human being. I forget what his job oh, was. For sure. Uh, he was like a, he was singer? a professor or a professor yeah, he was okay. a teacher or something like that. Um, yeah. But at least like in the English, state, like, right. of course he was in love with her, you something know, like which is weird and quirky just like him. And I thought their relationship was one of the better parts of the movie. I still think that Jeff Bridges and, and the other woman, like their kind of back and forth seems more something I could relate to more something realistic, but I thought that was done really well uh, as well. Mm-hmm. So it all was yeah. Yeah. that scene with them in uh grand central station when they were waiting for her to show up and like then he starts the second he starts to follow her it's so subtle they everyone in the the entire grand central station starts all dancing. starts like waltzing yeah and starts like dancing and like they're like yeah. navigating through the dancing i'm like what like this is this movie is so crazy but it's it's just terry gilliam he's got that style yeah that works yeah yeah and it's it's definitely something that is growing on to me and the more movies i see uh like these performances are fantastic and i'm so happy to know that that woman won the oscar for it because she deserves it she was just that that strong female character that you need to keep your main character level-headed and not see them lose control in the story and it worked really well and this is definitely probably one of robin williams most under appreciated performances i don't hear it talked about very much you hear like patch adams mrs doubtfire jumanji stuff like that um but this is definitely one of those exactly this is one of those that i would rewatch. i'm considering getting it on criterion just because it's got just enough mysticalness with the holy grail and whatnot to keep the fantasy side of it and like the whole dancing scene but then it's like this kind of this gritty surviving in New York story. And it's kind of nice. It's a nice blend of two different subgenres that you wouldn't think would work very well, but 
with the people behind it and the crew and the cast it just worked um so i'm giving this one a four out of five i enjoyed it very much so the style I, i'm still getting used to with terry gilliam but the performances just kept this movie going the entire time i was never bored not once all right so what would you give it overall you give it four then? out of five. Four. Oh, sorry four out of five. i was into your microphone three or four times my bad I did yeah. not yawn. I watched you do not it. Once. It's all good. Did I? All right. I was yeah. I was spaced out there for a sec. I know. Uh, yeah. I I'm I'm glad we all agree. I think the movie was just it was layered. It was really well done. The performances were obviously incredible. I think especially from Robin Williams. I I liked how they were able to weave in the Holy Grail stuff and the demonic presence, um, and how they were kind of able to tie that in with the the state he was in because he was so traumatized from his past and they made jeff bridges redeeming although he was kind of a dick like and he he was a dick in scenes after he felt like he had redeemed himself and they still kind of made that work like the first 10 minutes i'm like i was wondering like is this modeled after howard stern and i looked it up and yeah he was a consultant until he realized he wasn't getting paid and then he dropped out (laughs) all right yeah well fair enough fun fact Uh, but yeah, like I said, I think I think it was just it was a well done movie, and it, and and I had to uh, kind of research it a little bit to fully understand the whole Holy Grail thing and all the uh, like why he was seeing the demonic stuff. That stuff does go over my head a little bit, but I can fully appreciate it, and I think it was really well done. So uh, I give it a three and a half out of five. Damn, very uh, okay, solid movie. All right, fair enough. Yeah, I went four out of five when it first ended, but I mean, as it's been a couple of days, and the more I'm thinking about it, the more we're talking about it, this is a four and a half out of five for me. I could probably see myself getting the Criterion at some point, rewatching it, and we got some possible five out of five potential. Uh, I I just really connected with the story. Maybe it was just the, I don't know, the time of day when I watched it. I was in the right mood. I just needed something like this. This was just a really endearing film uh, with a with fantastic performances and really unique style from terry gilliam so i highly recommend this one it is on showtime hopefully you don't have any app glitches if anyone else is trying that out like nate did but uh Mm. definitely check this one out because it went under the radar and it's worth it cool all right yes and uh that was this week's films and now we gotta announce next week's films but we have some choices that need to get narrowed down in our poll which are Go to our Instagram stories at those movie dudes and help vote. Just uh, you know, help pick what movies we're going to be talking about next week. So, John, you got your yes. picks. A film that I've never seen that I've it's you know it's in pop culture. It's something that's always referenced here and there. But it's uh, Who Framed Roger Rabbit. I've never seen the film. Hmm. I honestly I don't, don't think I have either. I've seen clips. It's, always wanted to see it. I think it's it's something that you know it's it's always referenced. So I need to I need to have that background of that film i have wanted to see for a very long time now it is let's see if i get the name right the life aquatic of steve zizou what it is what is that bill murray it's a wes anderson it's film a wes anderson film uh, oh oh uh, yeah, 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 yeah yeah okay apparently uh a shark kills his former partner and he is on a journey to go and kill the shark for revenge Directed Fantastic. by Wes Anderson. All right. I want to get I'm my actually... Wes Anderson filmography kind of up there, so tough. Yeah, I, I, I'm. He's hit or miss with me. Like, I did not like Rushmore. I loved Moonrise Kingdom. 
Uh, Life of Dogs was pretty good. (laughs) Or Isle of Dogs was pretty good. Royal Tenenbaums was pretty good. I think that's all. Budapest? You seen Budapest? Because I haven't seen Budapest. Fantastic. Grand Budapest Budapest is fantastic. That's what turned me around with Wes Anderson. Because initially I didn't like him. I was like... Not not a fan of his style. I I did not like Moonrise Kingdom at all. I think I watched it with you, John. We we're like, this sucks. Did I? <laughs> I, I probably hated we on it. We both did but not I, like it. We were like, this is just okay. like. I loved it. I thought it was. I've awesome. since rewatched it. and I do really like it. I still don't think it's one of my favorites of his. But, but I. But a lot of people say that like or think that this one and Darjeeling Limited are like his worst ones. One. I feel like I'm going to love this one because I love anything that has to do with the ocean and exploring like this that. This definitely has And I love yeah. Kate Blanchett. So oh I'm my really excited God. for that. Well, I'm excited. John, don't worry, because Willem Dafoe is also in it. Yes. And Adrian Brady. Why does that make it better? Because it's what? Willem Dafoe. Jeff Goldblum. Willem Dafoe it. makes everything better. Exactly. I don't know if that's entirely true, but that is I'll, that's one hundred percent. Owen Wilson's one hundred percent podcast next week. Owen Wilson wow. is eighty-five percent true. Wow. Wow. Tell us what. Well, that's gonna do it. I think. But yeah. What do we? You guys want to talk about mainstream boy? No. 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 I would like no. to hear uh, no. Nate's picks for for the poll. Me? Because it's those movie I, dudes. I didn't think There's I needed three picks. movies. What? Three guys, three movies. Uh like we were talking I have about to think of picks. Uh that was your Since pick when? for this week that we all watched the talk about. John picked um, Lestrada. I believe we have like 40 other episodes where we, you have had a a, a pick. Do, do you have your uh, choices? I I don't know what you guys are talking about. I just go <gasps> Oh. oh this this is the those movie dudes podcast. I thought you were talking about the oh. other one I dude called those movie dudes where there's two e's um but what? that is my second podcast it's just me and my stuffed animals um and all we talk about are studio ghibli movies um but oh my God. how do i subscribe to that because that sounds fucking amazing <laughs> and it's just me and animated what kind of stuffed animals? stuffed animals like one's like a like mickey mouse and dude. like uh charizard and one's like from that. ireland no, no mine mine are actually very specific okay one is a stuffed um togepi like a eight foot not eight foot eight inch tall like stuffed pig what's his name and then the second one rufus okay and the second one is actually my tickle me elmo from when i was a kid from when i was like two years old and then john cena the cardboard cutout Oh yeah, he's right here. Okay, cool. He never, he never, he never leaves my room. He is my one hundred percent twenty four hour bodyguard. Martin John Turtle Scorsese. Oh, after hours? No, after hours. Yes. I feel like Nate. Um, you pick a lot of movies that revolve around like damaged marriages. <laughs> is that so some? True, is there some actually. sort of like underlying issue <laughs> no, that we should talk about? No, but that's what the filmmakers would always do back then. It's just that's just how it was. There's always, but well, I, it's, I'm not like saying it's a bad divorced. thing. But like, like that's a genre that I would never pick. So that's just something that. Well, to be <laughs> fair, just, a lot I, of movies I, I, do have damaged marriage storylines uh, because it, it creates so. conflict immediately. So can we just watch this? As I us? just i I just appreciate watching <laughs> well done performances being able to portray realistic marriages. So like there are some marriages I that loved out. a marriage story because that was probably one of the most pure 
representations of a failing marriage I've ever seen. I watched that with my parents, and, it was and I really so liked cool. it. They hated it. Anyways, we'll talk. Thank yeah, you. so right. that, that's it for next week. But uh, we do have Mainstream Boy coming out on Monday, guys. Which no one cares about. It comes out Monday. Movies, movies, movies. Okay. Um, we, we talk about movies as well. Um, it's time for Nate's recommendations. Um, I recommend a film that Spencer brought up today. It's also directed by Terry Gilliam. I recommend Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. If you like watching films that feel like you're in an hour and 45 minute acid trip and you feel like you just got effed in the B by a broomstick, watch this movie. You'll have a great time. Thanks for listening to the Those Movie Dudes podcast. Make sure to go over to our Instagram and give us a follow if you haven't already. If you like the show and you have friends unlike us, send them a link and perhaps they will enjoy it as well. If you don't have friends like us, but you like the show, head over to your preferred podcast platform and leave us a review. We would really appreciate it and it will help out the show. Stay safe, everyone, and as always, wash your fucking hands.